we got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. One plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus vest that expires seven days after receipt. See full terms at fanduel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome back to another episode of Confessions of a Krabby Christian, a Misfit Media Network production. I am your host and resident crappy Christian, Blake, and every week I get to have the coolest conversations with incredible people about all the things most Christians are still not sure we're allowed to talk about. So if you've been looking for a place to land with all your crap and for someone to just be honest about what it looks like to walk through this Christian life, well, you've come to the right place. Pull up a seat, pop in your headphones and tune out your kids and come hang out with me and a guest for the authentic conversations that you have been looking for. Rhonda, welcome to Confessions of a Crappy Christian. Thank you so much. And can I just tell you, I think that the title of your podcast is amazing. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) People love it or hate it. Right. (laughs) They either think it's, they're like, I'm a crappy Christian. Me too. Or they're like, what is this? Yeah. Or the C word. Do we even say the C Can word? We that? <laughs> Are we allowed to say that? Uh, I am so excited to have you on the show for the 10th anniversary of moms raising sons to be men. What an accomplishment to get to. Like I have a book that came out last year and the idea of revamping it and re-releasing it. That's so incredible. Yeah, it's been amazing. First of all, I want to ask, what's the name of your book? I didn't do enough research and I'm sorry. What? what no, what, it's what Confessions of a Crappy Christian. Oh, that's what it's called. Oh, yeah. okay. I got to read it. I got to find it. I got to read it. Okay. Yeah. It came out in 2013 and it's been a bestseller and it's been actually in 2020, I did the audio version of it. And then that, you know, all you all millennial moms, uh, <laughs> you soccer moms, that's how you read. So <laughs> it breathed new life into it. And then my publisher came and said, hey, what if we do one that comes out at the 10-year anniversary? And I'm like, yes, so much has changed in the world and the culture oh. within 10 years. So yeah, I'm super excited. Right. Yeah. 10 years ago, did the 10-year ago have like anything about like social media or the digital age or anything a like that? A little bit. Like I a said in bit. the old book, if your son has a social media account, you need to have one too, which yeah. nowadays moms all have them. But right. back then it was like, I don't know what my son does on that computer. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It's so crazy to think about what's changed in 10 years. Right. For sure. For for month, for everybody, right? The culture is different. And the influences on our children are different. And and I will say, let's just say at the top of the show, I have two sons and two daughters that I've raised. I have 15 grandchildren. Most of them are girls. <laughs> I have four grandsons and the rest are all granddaughters. 
We're going to chat today about moms raising sons to be men, but we're going to talk about practical stuff for parenting, for moms, to the ministry of motherhood to which God has called you. Yes. Because before we started recording, I was like, I'm going to tell you, I'm a full-blown girl mom. Like I have the only boy in this house is daddy. Like we, and he is majorly outnumbered and has a shop so that he can get a, get a little break sometimes. Man cave. Yes. A man cave that he can go to because he is surrounded by girls. So I kind of talked to some of my girlfriends before <laughs> our interview because one thing that is, I think, lacking, I think it's everybody's responsibility, is moms my age, early 30s with young kids. I think a lot of us are desperate for these conversations with moms who have gone before us, who mm-hmm. you have grandchildren that you're you're navigating being a grandmother, like that you've done it. And we're kind of going... What are we doing? Are we doing you're this still right? Alive. You survived I, it. You survived Touch it. Do your kids one. like you? Because that feels like the only goal at this point. I know. I know. I remember when I was a young mom, my four-year-old daughter, when my, my son was born, and when he was born, my four-year-old daughter said something to me. She said, I know you can't wait till we're grown so you can do whatever you want. Aww. And I was so taken aback. Now, anyway, you have a firstborn girl daughter, so you know. They tell you their feelings. They put it into words. And I was blessed that she would have. If it had been my son, he wouldn't have said anything. He just would have thought it the rest of his Mm -hmm. life. (laughs) But because she said those words to me, I had to step back and say, what impression am I giving my kids? Mm -hmm. I'm giving my kids that they irritate me, that they're in the way of what I really want to do. And my most important ministry is out there. It's not in here in my home. And what I love to tell moms, especially of littles, is this is your ministry. Mm-hmm. They are not an, a distraction from your ministry. Motherhood, parenting your littles is your ministry. The subtitle of the 10th anniversary edition of Moms Raising Sons to Be Men is guiding them toward their purpose and passion. That's a calling. And if if you don't do it, no one's going to do it. And it seemed so unimportant when I was at home just wiping boogers and bums all day long. And I had left corporate America to be a stay-at-home mom. And I remember feeling like, is this it? And I remember telling my husband, he was in construction at the time. He's a pastor now, but he was in construction and he would come home after building something. And I was a stay-at-home mom, not no longer getting reviews, no longer getting dressed up for work, you know, all the things. And I remember telling him, imagine if you went to work every day and you framed an entire house and you stepped back and you looked at it. And you went home and you came back the next day and someone had taken down every board and put it back and told you to do it again. I go, that's motherhood. That's my life right now. And it's not that I don't want to be here because we chose for me to stay home. And I'm not saying if you do or don't, you're a good mom or bad mom. I'm just saying that was a decision we made. But I remember I was lonely and I was like, and we didn't have the, you know, this is in the 1900s, women. In the olden (laughs) days, we didn't have the World Wide Web. Right. (laughs) And we had telephones that were on a wire stuck to the wall. So you couldn't even clean the whole house with a cordless phone. (laughs) Right. So I remember having that conversation with him and just asking him, you know, to help encourage me. But I knew I needed help. I knew I wasn't the mom I wanted to be. I wasn't the mom I meant to be. You know, all you moms that are listening, you know, you lay in bed at night and you tell yourself, I'll be a better mom tomorrow. Mm. Tomorrow I'm going to be happier. I'm going to laugh with my kids. I'm going to enjoy my husband. I'm going to, you know, not get upset when they spill their milk for the one 15,000th time. Right. But it's hard and you're hormonal and you're tired. And 
my husband and I have a marriage book out called The Marriage Mentor. And we talk about in your 30-somethings, it's the unfriendly years where you're just Mm -hmm. overworked, underpaid, you're so tired, your hormones are out of whack, and you just do the work that needs to be done, but sometimes lose that ability to be friendly to your husband or to your children. So I knew I needed help. And I found godly mentors. My husband was in youth ministry. So I looked around at the teenagers, like you said, who liked their parents, who wanted to sit next to them in church and who laughed at their jokes. And I'm like, I got to know what you know. Yes. That's what Moms Raising Sons to Be Men is. It's written the way that I talk. Everyone's like, I'm not a reader. It's like, you're a reader. You read Facebook all day long. You just (laughs) don't want to read a book. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So it's written in small bites, like inside the chapter, just little subheadings. And just very practical insights, wonderful stories from moms in the Bible, from moms in history and present day moms. And honestly, it's just like you're hanging out with me. Grab a cup of coffee and let's talk about all things motherhood. Well, you know, when your nose burns, when you're about to cry, when you were talking just now, I was like, my nose is burning (laughs) because she's reading my mail. What the heck? You know, I mean, mine are five and eight and I did the full-time stay-at-home mom thing. I did the stay-at-home mom working thing. They go to school now. So I try to work largely when they're at school and be off when they're not. I'm not going to turn this to, into a therapy session. I promise. <laughs> okay, <laughs> let me get out my pen and pad. <laughs> like, should I be charging? Uh, exactly. When you said like we lay in bed at night and go, I'm going to be better tomorrow. I'm going to be more present. I'm not going to prioritize my task list over my children. I'm going to laugh. And then the next day beats the heck out of you mm-hmm. because, mm-hmm. and one thing I wanted to to talk about is yes, like cleaning the house and keeping everything organized. But the older my kids get, maybe it's the mental load, Mm -hmm. right? It's the weight of the responsibility, exactly like your subtitle says, that it is our job to help them find their purpose, to like shepherd them towards Jesus, to make sure they're decent humans. That feels like so much Mm -hmm. that I think a lot of moms feel like they crumble under the pressure of just that. Yes. And, And it is a huge pressure, but I'll tell you this. To that which God calls us, he will equip us. And if you're a mom, I have an older son that was adopted. I had a a niece that lived with us for a time. I homeschooled her for for her kindergarten year. Whatever capacity of motherhood, whether you're a stepmom, foster mom, that God has called you to, if he's called you to it, the Bible says in Philippians, it's God who works in you to will and to do his good pleasure. Mm. He will equip you to do it. And there's a section in Moms Raising Sons to Be Men that talks about your adequacy is from the Lord. Mm -hmm. And that's the Apostle Paul's word. He says, you know, you may not think I'm adequate, but the adequacy I have is from the Lord. But once we become honest and real about our struggle and reach out to others that have walked the path ahead of us, it becomes a doable task when you have others cheering you on, giving you insights from their successes and their failures. I don't know about you, but I teach more passionately from my failures than I do from my successes, Yeah, right? So, you know, I can write a letter to my younger self. It does no good. But if I write it to you, now you have an opportunity to learn from my mistakes. You have a learned opportunity to learn from me what did work, what didn't work. And that's really what you'll find in Moms Raising Sons to be Men. And these women that I made friends with, they became my friends. They were genuine. They were real. They weren't perfect parents. They had things that came up in their parenting that hit them up the side of the head. And I watched them walk through that, but I watched them walk through it with grace. I watched them be real and genuine and not 
you guys have social media so you can put all the pretty pictures up and everybody thinks your family and your marriage and your house is so clean and perfect. I mean, this is a fake brick wall behind me because, you know, the house isn't messy if you just see this fake plastic wall. (laughs) So that makes us lonely because we're the most connected that we've ever been. And yet we're trying to hold up a, a reputation or a pretense. And you know what? In 18 years of youth ministry, the number one thing that my husband and I discovered for kids that were raised in the Christian home is they walked away from the faith if their parents were hypocrites about their faith. It's vital that we become real and genuine and press into Christ and learn from others who've walked the path ahead of us. We're talking about things that are so prevalent in my life and in my conversations right now that I'm like, yes, I want to talk about that. I want to like, like so we my, just, I have another interview at noon, so we're okay. Good. I was about to Let's say, like, what's your cutoff? How much time do we have? Because <laughs> I told you we would record for a certain amount of time, and now I'm like, no, we're gonna be here <laughs> forever. That what you just said about parents being hypocrites, and this is a this is a therapy discovery, <laughs> is I think a lot of parents don't intend to be hypocrites, they're not doing one thing and saying another, they think they have to present a perfect picture even to their children. And it's this balance that you're trying to carry of, I don't want to fall apart in front of my kids. I don't, I need, you know, I don't want to scare them. And I've discussed this with my parents, my, as an adult, I never saw my parents struggle. I never saw, they kept that behind closed doors because they thought they were doing the right thing. But then when I was struggling, it was like, what's wrong with me? I messed Mm -hmm. up. And then you can't even really talk to them about it because they don't struggle. And so now I, my oldest, and I've actually talked to her and she's okay with me like sharing this. She got her mother's anxiety for sure. And it's so insane sitting in her bed with her. She's eight and she'll have gotten really panicky and being able to say to her, I get it. Mommy's brain does the same thing. My body does the same thing. Even just Mm -hmm. that, my hope is that's a step towards mommy's not perfect. Mommy doesn't have it all together. I struggle the same way that you do. And if that's the first step towards like, quote unquote, not being a hypocrite, sometimes that's all you can like, just showing up for your kids and being like, yeah, I don't have it all together. It's the normal Christian life, two steps forward, one step back. And as we walk in obedience to Christ and we sin, and let's use the word sin. So our kids understand it's like, oh, I'm sorry, I got mad at you, but you didn't put your shoes away. You know, Mm -hmm. mommy sinned when I was angry with you. That was the Bible says to be angry and sin not. And when I got angry, I was wrong. You should have put your shoes away and I need to teach you to do that. But when you trigger and get angry because something didn't go the way you think it should go, it didn't meet your expectations, you have to step back and say, if I am willing to sin to get something, even if it's a good thing, it's become an idol in my life. Mm -hmm. And so I have to go to the Lord and confess that idolatry, like my perfect clean house or my you know, mine was respect um, of my kids. It's like, I just cleaned this whole house and you just walked through here with mud on your feet. That tells me you don't even care how hard I work to keep the house clean. So yeah, they shouldn't do that. But when I get upset, I have to step back and go, why am I so mad? Or why am I so offended? Because Psalm 119, 165 says, great peace have they that love thy law and nothing shall offend them. Mm. So if I'm walking in offense, if you're that mama, that your whole family's walking on eggshells around you, Change has to begin in in your heart and in your home. And I'll tell you this, you're right. I have adult children. My kids are in their 40s down to their 30s. Uh, My house is trashed right now because I had most of my grandkids here this week. We had a holiday weekend and we have puppies because I raised golden retrievers and all the, you know, 13 of our grandkids live close by. So the whole, they come spend the night and they trash my house. 
but they want to be here yeah. and they want to be with Nana and Papa and my kids want to be with each other and they want to be with us. And you know, how many of us are like, Oh, I got to go back to my parents' house. Okay, kids, we're going to go see grandma and grandpa for Christmas. Just keep it together. Don't break anything of grandma's. Right. Don't, you know, just let's just get through this. So we don't trigger grandma. Right. And yeah, I don't want to be that person. I want them to like look for ways to come see us and be right. at our house. Well, and that, I and saw something on it was like TikTok or Instagram, and it was the it was an older man saying for him, he was like the gold standard parenting is when adult children want to be with their parent. Yes. And mm-hmm. and to your point, like if you're constantly triggered by your kids, if you're constantly either and that trigger can be anything. You can be triggered and lash out, or you can trigger and completely shut off, check out, be not like not be present. Both are equally damaging. Mm-hmm. And this isn't to like keep guilt. This isn't to say, oh, you've messed it up. Cause I've done both of those. I have the propensity to Absolutely. check out or lash mm-hmm. out. That's where we have to, when we see something, you know, the Holy spirit will reveal to us something he wants to transform in us. And there's mm-hmm. hope in that. God doesn't say, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, girlfriend, and try harder. Right. Uh, you're going to you're going to try for a while and then you're going to beat yourself up and you're going to either give up or you're going to blame everybody else. So you want to come to this place of saying, OK, Lord, I see what you're showing me. Mm-hmm. I have no idea how to change. And there's a section in Moms Raising Sons to Be Men that says, how can I change? Yeah. How do I how do I do this? Beginning with repentance. We don't talk enough about repentance in the Christian church. Uh, yeah. Everybody wants to talk about how it feels good when we go to worship and how it feels good to when I read the Bible and it's like, no, repentance is the beginning of that intimacy with Christ. And once, you know, God says he resists the proud, he gives grace to the humble. Once I humbly come before God and say, I'm a crappy mom and I know it and I want help. I asked God to send me mentors and he did. And then I had to be real with them. And here's the thing. If you're looking for a mentor, don't make them chase after you. These ladies invited me to a Bible study and I was like, uh, I don't have time. I got a baby. And it was a five hour week homework Bible study. And my one friend, Gail said, just try it. Just do the homework, come to the Bible study. I promise it will help you. And I had gone to Christian schools. It's like, I know all those verses. I know all that. But when I genuinely started washing my mind with the water of the word, and then I got to meet with these women on a regular basis, I was the only young mom in there. Wow. But I was blown away by their honesty, (laughs) by their humility, by their intentional parenting and grandparenting. Those women, I know it was pivotal in my marriage and the way I mothered my children because of the relationships that I pursued with those older women. Yeah. Well, and I'm thinking about it from the young mom perspective, especially today, and I agree with you, like those first steps are repentance and recognizing and, and making the effort. But I think what even comes before that is slowing the heck down. Cause that stuff oh, is yeah. impossible to do when you're going 7 million miles a minute from the moment you wake up through the night. Right. Like mm-hmm. it, that was a huge, my husband left his full-time corporate job last year. And the last year has been really slow for us. Just, we went like hit all the breaks. We quit everything. My kids weren't even doing extracurriculars. Like we shut it down and talk about looking in a mirror of your parenting. Ooh. (laughs) So I think that that's like working against us as mothers is we're so we're filling our schedule with so much 
that we don't even have the time to look at the way we're parenting and go, oh, I don't think I want to be this kind of mom. Right. And when we're in a hurry, we're irritated. When we get your shoes, where is your, I told you to put your sweater on. Why don't you, you know, it's, it's just go, go, go. And you know, the Bible says, be still and know that I am God. And that word be still means the letting down of hands. Just Mm. put your hands down, Mm. just stop moving and rest in who he is. And I've lived super busy and I've lived super slow. And we had planted a church in Austin, Texas. And when we were there, we had youth group in our home, 200 teenagers in our house every Wednesday night. It was amazing. And they trashed our house, totally trashed our house. <laughs> but they came to Jesus. These kids right. were coming to Christ. And I always would chant the mantra, people over possessions, mm-hmm. as my white carpet was being destroyed and my <laughs> furniture was trashed. Right. And I having those opportunities to serve them was wonderful. And then we were moving into adult ministries and we were on the go all the time. And a small church in California called my husband to be a pastor. And I remember knowing that was also going to be a call to slowing down. We moved to our house in the country that he had built years before, and we had not sold it when we moved to Texas. We lived 30, 40 minutes from town. We lived yeah. in the middle of it. And God was just like giving you this holy hush, like, woman, slow down. I do want to go back and visit something that you talked about being genuine with your kids. When my third child was born, I had postpartum. And I had never had it. And I had a hormonal imbalance that turned into really bad PMS and PMD and all of those things. And that I was so devastating for me because it was not who I was. And I remember when my newborn, I had a two-year-old and a newborn at home. My six-year-old daughter would walk in the door from school. I would put on the little mermaid. I would put the newborn in the six-year-old's arms and turn on the show. And I would go in our room and cry. And just cry. And I remember my husband coming in one day in the middle of all that. He came home early and I heard his panic in his voice, like, where's your mom? And Meredith's like, she's in the bedroom. And he came in, what's wrong with you? I'm like, I don't know. I have this wonderful life, but I just, this is too hard. You stay home with them. Let me go to work. I'm better out there. This is too hard. Mm -hmm. And I remember having to go back to my kids and ask forgiveness. Meredith, who's going to be 40 this year. I remember telling her, I'm so sorry. And she's like, mom, I don't even remember. I remember oh, you just letting me hold the baby. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thirty million women are impacted by weakened or thinning hair. And if you're among them, I need you to know that you're not alone and that there's a solution you can trust to deliver some results. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth supplement. It supports healthy hair growth from within by targeting the root causes of thinning. Nutrafol has three physician-formulated formulas using natural, drug-free, medical-grade ingredients so you can get the most reliable results. And in a clinical study, 86% of women reported improved hair growth after six months. You can grow thicker, healthier hair and support our show by going to Nutrafol.com and entering the promo code Blake to save $15 off your first month's subscription. This is their best offer they offer anywhere, and it's only available to U.S. customers for a limited time, plus free shipping on every order. Get $15 off at Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code Blake. 
Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. I mean, it's like that that scene in uh, Star Wars where that guy does that wave in front of the guy's eyes. And he doesn't These remember. These are anything. not the droids <laughs> you're looking great. for. <laughs> you have a great mom. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I remember those years were hard. And I will say this: if you have a, hor a hormonal imbalance, get help. I went to an endocrinologist, and that helped me a lot. But it yeah. took me four years before I got to the place. I tried to battle it like a spiritual battle. I was ashamed. I was, you know, locked myself away. I tried everything to try to make myself be better. But anyway, all that to say, being real and being genuine, not blaming your children or your husband for how you're feeling. Yes. And then owning your sin, even when you are having a hormonal imbalance, you have to don't sin in that imbalance. And the, the Holy Spirit can help you in that. And I always say back then, the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, gentleness, patience, kindness, self-control. The only fruit on my vine was self-control. I could hold my mm. tongue. And yeah. that's what I would do. I would just hold my tongue. But it also didn't make me a fun mom. Right. Well, and I I thank you for that because I I mean, I had the very same experience. Honestly, the first few years of both of my kids' lives is a little, a little murky. You know, it's a little like, what? How did we make it through that? I had all the imbalances, all the postpartum issues you can have. But I love that you're still like there's still responsibility. And I know that can be really difficult to hear, especially if you're in it, right? If you're in the throes of, I always tell people sleep deprivation is a torture tactic. Like yes. they use that in the military to make people tell secrets. So you <laughs> are as true. tough as a Navy SEAL mama. Like you're doing great. <laughs> you know, good. but you've got the sleep deprivation, you've got these tiny humans that need you for everything. You feel like nothing is yours, not even your own body. And I think that that's legitimate. And we can look at that and say, yes, I see you, but are you hurting people in the process, including yourself and including your family? And I'm so, I'm always so thankful for women of God who are like, go get help, go talk yeah. to a doctor. Like right. mm -hmm. it's okay because mm -hmm. there's that, well, the, you know, women have been having babies for thousands of years. I'm like, yeah, they're also losing their minds after. <laughs> now yeah. we have the medical ability to go get the help we need. Let's mm -hmm. do that. And there's so many hormones in our food now. There's oh, so many yeah. things that are different, even in our, I mean, like I was standing in line at a wedding to get a buffet. And I remember a man standing behind me talking to his friend about his wife that had PMS. He goes, they don't have it in Japan. Why does she? And I, I turned around and I said, well, maybe it's in the food they eat in Japan. That's we eat a lot differently. But I said, but it's real. And you need to be kind to your wife. Good for you. <laughs> Good for you. Well, um, and I have a podcast called Old Ladies Know Stuff because old ladies know stuff. Titus 2 called the older women to teach the younger. And that's where you get older. I'm going to be 62 in May. You get to have the opportunity to tell somebody, hey, I've lived it. I've walked through it. And let me just give you an insight. And I'll be, I'll be vulnerable with you about my situation. I think that is uh, key. And honestly, we aren't really, I want to talk just a little bit about marriage too, because yeah. our marriages suffer when we are so exhausted. We are so tired. 
we don't even want to think about having sex with our spouse because it's like this body, you said your body's not your own. It's like, it's not like everyone has touched it all day long. You've nursed people, you've oversensitized and your husband walks in the door, brings you some flowers, gives you a little wink. And you're like, I'm going to hit you upside the head with those. Good <laughs> we babies. are closed <laughs> for business. like. <laughs> <laughs> and yet you have to realize that when husbands come home and they want to connect with you in the marriage bed, it is very similar to how you want to connect with your husband through conversation and kind touches. God created them different than us. And so when you resent them for wanting what God created them to want from you, they don't know what to do with that. They feel like the bad guy. They feel like they're just one more thing on your to-do list. You have to be honest and say, I need help. I want to, to pursue you intimately. In fact, my husband in, in, mom's, in our, one of our marriage books, he says, as a biblical counselor, in my experience, men whose wives pursue them sexually are deeply in love with their wives. Mm. And it's they're vulnerable in this area. And when yes. you reject them, even if it's just like, uh, don't touch me, that makes them feel unloved. It makes them feel not treasured. In the same way, if they came home and said, I've used all my words, don't talk to me. And right. for two weeks, if every time they walked in the door, you're like, hey, I want to tell you about the day. I can't hear your voice. I don't talk to me. I've been on the phone all day. Don't talk to me. After two weeks of that, you would feel rejected and alone. You would start calling girlfriends or other people to talk to them, or you would talk to your kids. And I have to camp on that for a second. There's something called emotional incest that moms do to their children, where they don't get what they think they should from their husband emotionally with conversation. So they turn to their kids, they vent about dad, they talk about the stresses, they vent on, on their children. And that's not healthy for your children. That doesn't make your child feel secure. And it seems like it's okay because they're here with you all the time and you just talk about your life with them. And we just talked about being genuine, right? So there's that. They're not your counselors. You need someone, an older mentor, or, you know, tell your husband, I'm so lonely. Mm -hmm. I speak at a lot of mops. And I remember one woman came up to me. She said, I told my husband I was lonely. He said, how can you be lonely? You have four people with you all day long. It's like, he just doesn't understand. <laughs> You're like, sweet dude. And I, what you said about communication and just saying the things has been such a huge player in my marriage and in so many that I know where, yes, where I'm a huge proponent of counseling and getting, you know, the help and reading books, but sometimes you just need to freaking talk to each other. Like sometimes the, when I realized that I was expecting my husband to be a mind reader, which I know is kind of a cliche, but we do, we think we know this person so well that surely they know what I need. I'm like, I don't know what I need half the time. Like, it changes every 28 days. <laughs> through that, exactly. So I think if the first step is just saying the things, I love the, the comparison of being touched out and being talked out. If you have a husband that goes to a job, he's probably a little talked out at the end of the day. Like you're meeting in the middle, you're both making sacrifices and it's for the benefit of yourselves and your children. Like the statistics are in the bag for what healthy marriages do for our kids. Yes. And your child will never feel more secure than if they see mommy and daddy loving each other. But now I feel like I have to talk to single moms and there's a whole section in Moms Raising Sons to Be Men written to single moms. Mm -hmm. So whenever we, I have very dear friends that have raised amazing children and they have been single moms through tragic loss of a father or through rejection of a dad that just is a 
you know, deadbeat dad or through a dad that lives in the home, but is just never there. Yeah. And, you know, if you think about the apostle Paul handed the very mantle of his ministry to Timothy, who was raised by his single mom and his grandma. Mm-hmm. And there might be some grandmas that are even listening because I have a lot of grandma friends that are raising their grandchildren. And I, um, I actually, if you're a grandparent, there's something called the Grandparenting Summit, Legacy Coalition Grandparenting Summit. There it is. And I spoke at it in, in October. I spoke at it. I'm speaking at it again in Dallas next year. So that's a side note for grandparents. Yeah. But um, when you're a single mom, my single mom friends went on vacation with us, hung mm-hmm. out with us. You have to expose your children to godly heroes. They're longing for heroes. They need to see what a what a godly marriage looks like. They need to see what godly parenting looks like. And you need to have friendships, not just a whole bunch of single moms getting getting together talking about how your husband's not paying alimony. Hmm. You need to go to church. You have to be a part of a Christian community. And you may be the only single mom there. I have a friend who she said, Whenever I visit a church and I'm a single mom, they always think I'm a lesbian. And she's like, I'm not. I'm a widow. Okay. (laughs) But in fact, funny story, I had come to stay the night at her house once. And when she was working, we were in the San Francisco Bay Area. And I was sleeping in her room with her. We've been friends since junior high. And when I came out to get coffee, there was a man from her work going to hang some window shades for her. And I had a bathrobe on and I got my coffee. And he looked at her and he looked at me and I went back in the room. And then she came back and she said, Everybody at work wonders if I'm a lesbian. And now you just came out of my bedroom in a bathrobe. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry about it. We're just come back out really and talk about time. your husband. I'm like, okay. Go <laughs> <laughs> out and flash that hand. Make sure they know that there's a ring on it. No, but I mean, I think that can kind of be some of what I was talking about earlier, that mental load for moms, especially moms of youngs, is you're trying to keep your marriage up and running and be all things to all people. And I I agree with you that like, it's just, it's a decision that you have to make. And it's not always an easy one. There are going to be days that you are, it is completely legitimate that you are touched out, that you are overstimulated, that you are like done. That has just been the most to me. I don't think either of us are saying, and then you need to like put all of that aside and give like have sex with your husband and everything be fine just communicate. Like, Mm -hmm. and sometimes, I don't know if you've ever had this, but sometimes I have days like this and then we go sit in our room and talk. And then I'm like, now I want you. Wait, now I'm kind of in the mood. (laughs) Let's go. This is great. Yeah. Well, and being able to talk about it and say, okay, honey, you did the most romantic things when we were dating and Mm. and it, it made me want you. The most romantic thing you can do for me right now is to help the kindergartner with their homework while I get dinner on or do the dishes while I go take a shower. I haven't shaved my legs in a week. I have had my mama hat on all day long. I know there's a sexy mama hat somewhere under that bed in the dust bunnies. I got to go find it, but you got to let me change gears. And then I will take you to bed and I promise it'll be worth it. You have to coach them. The Bible calls husbands to live with their wives according to knowledge and or live with them in an understanding way is another translation. They won't understand you with your hints, with your withholdings, with your, you know, jabbing comments. None of that is going to be a good, and your son's going to marry someone that treats him the way you treat your husband, most Mm -hmm. likely. Mm -hmm. So if he sees you, that's familiar. So if all of a sudden he brings a girl home that's jabbing comments and undermining him and making him look stupid in front of everyone and you don't like her, 
it just might be that it's familiar to him and that's what he liked about her. And it might've been because that's what he saw in you. Right. So yes, back to, we have to be aware daily, this calling that God has given us. So let's unpack some things for moms raising sons, because I know we've talked about all the things. I think what I would love to talk about is just some of the moms in the Bible that I talk about. Um, Okay. So David's mom, David, you know, Goliath, only boy named David. We don't even know his mom's name. Mm -hmm. Like the woman raised the most amazing king of Israel who will be known forever. And the Bible decides we don't need to have her credentials. Okay. That's motherhood. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Jesse gets all the credit. I have a son who's a lieutenant colonel fighter pilot in the Air Force, getting ready to retire. And I'm sure none of those generals know my name. I'm sure once in a great while, I meet someone that tells me what a great son I have. But for the most part, I'm invisible. My time with him was here, and now it takes him out there. Mm -hmm. So what do we know about David? We know that when he was about 17 years old, his father sent him to take lunch to his brothers who were fighting a battle against the Philistines. And when he gets there, he sees they're hiding and Goliath is yelling and saying, you know, come on, uh, you know, mocking the God of Israel. And David's like, why are you letting this happen? And they're kind of, you know, his oldest brother's like, you just wanted to see, go home, you know. And then he says, I'll fight him. I'll fight him right now, which, you know, 17 year old, when God gets a hold of a 17 year old, there's no stopping them. Amen. So Saul gets wind of it and says, okay, let me put my armor on you. And he does. And it's too big. I always think of that. You'll shoot your eye out movie with the big puffy snowsuit. You know, it's like, he's got his armor on and Saul's like, and he's like, it doesn't fit. And he takes it off. But this is, this is key. What David says to Saul is God gave me victory over a lion and he gave me victory over a bear. I know I will have victory over this giant. That's not the exact quote, but that's what he says. And in, in essence, okay. So he's 17 when he's telling Saul that that means when he was younger than 17 and watching his father's sheep, God sent a lion and God sent a bear to attack those sheep. And then he gave David the ability to fight them off with his bare hands. Mm-hmm. Okay. Where was his mom? <laughs> I mean, my junior high, high school age boy comes home and says, dad, God just gave me the ability to fight off a lion. Isn't that cool? And I'd have been like, awesome. And when he left the room, I'd be like, he don't work for you no more. Somebody else. <laughs> right? Right. But we want to be helicopter moms. Or how about this? We get mad at God for sending a lion or sending mm-hmm. a bear in the life of our sweet child. We get angry with God. We resent him. We pull back. We say, you know what, God, you can't heal my son. Then I'm not, I'm not going to serve you. And then we don't realize that those lions and bears that God sent was to equip our son or our daughters because Goliath is in his future and God needed to equip him for that giant. Mm -hmm. So when, and I've been, my husband's been a senior pastor for 23 years. I've met a lot of women that have walked through this. My own son was diagnosed with epilepsy when he Mm -hmm. was six years old and it was severe. He had to be so heavily medicated that he didn't want to play sports. I was coaching high school cheerleading in Texas at the time. It's kind of a religion. Whole thing. Yeah. Um, you know, I dreamed that my son would play sports and run one down the field or hit one out of the park. He was heavily sedated. He did not want to do any of those things. He played Legos and he picked up a guitar and we were having band practice in our home because we had a church that we planted. And so on Wednesday nights after youth group, the band would rehearse and Brandon was exposed to all of that music. But I remember one day I went in my room and I wept before the Lord because Brandon had had a severe seizure. And this was after four years. He's on special ed at school. There's just a lot of stuff that goes along with 
having a child that has epilepsy, which March 26th is Purple Day, Epilepsy Support Day. And there's a lot I could talk about, but that I won't. And I remember going in my room and just weeping before the Lord and saying, I quit. I'm done. We are letting these kids trash our house. We are serving you. People are coming to the coming to Christ and you cannot heal my boy. I'm not going to do this anymore. And I remember, and here's key, mom, if you have God's word hidden in your heart, mm. when you get to those times, the Holy Spirit can draw you back. The Holy yeah. Spirit can redirect your thinking. If you don't, all you have to rely on is your feelings and your feelings will lie to you. Yep. So I was weeping and I heard not audibly, but in the stillness of my heart, in everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And I said, no, I have no idea how to thank you for this. And I said, but I do know that you are good. And I know that you love Brandon more than I do. And I know that your ways are above ours. And I will choose to say thank you with my lips, but you have to change my heart. Mm. And over time, we started observing that Brandon became this amazing musician. He could pick up every instrument that these people played. And my husband said, I've never met someone who thinks in music theory like Brandon does. Mm. Brandon grew up. He went to um, California Baptist University. He graduated with biblical studies and music. He's a worship pastor. He's traveled with some pretty incredible Christian bands. Now he's a worship pastor in a church. And here's the point of all of that. 15 years before, um, actually more like 20 years before now, I did not know God's plan, Right. but God knew I would have raised an arrogant little athlete. God had to get me out of the way. And he sent the lion and the bear to my son because he said, I'm not going to let the crowd glory in your son's accomplishments, but I am going to raise your son up to bring the crowd to glory in my son's accomplishments through worship. Ooh. I cry every time. I know you got me too a little bit. When you make friends with old ladies, because hashtag old ladies know stuff, you hear our stories and you hear the faithfulness of God and the times that we were ready to give up and walk away and the times that we chose to trust even when it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. And we pressed in and we pursued and we kept our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, and not on the storm and the waves and the circumstances that seemed to be devastating. Yeah. Well, and I, again, I think this whole conversation has just been like, it feels like a beacon, all of this stuff, all of the crazy, all of the hard. It doesn't mean that it won't be hard. It just means there's purpose in it. It just means God is moving and working, even in the stuff that has got you on your knees going, no, no. And I think every mother listening either will or has hit that point with God where you're like, no, we can't do this. They can't do this. And how small our vision is, right? Mm -hmm. We see so little and God sees so much. And the question is, do you trust him? You'll see on social media where a bunch of 30, 20 to 30 year old women post their concern about something with their child. And then there's a a barrage of of advice and, and insights and do this and do this and try that and do that and do that. And then you'll hear, trust the Lord. Mm-hmm. His ways are above ours. His thoughts yeah. are above ours as high as the heavens are above the earth. And you look and it's an older woman mm-hmm. and it's an older woman who's walked the path ahead of you. And those are the, those are the voices you need. Yeah. It's great to banter back and forth with your mom friends. And I love that, yeah. but you also have to invite into your life. Someone who says I've been there and I was ready to walk. And here, here's the end of that story. A decade after that, my daughter was watching. This was before. When, when, when that was going on with my son, my oldest daughter was watching. About a decade later, 
she gave birth to a child with special needs. Mm. And I remember saying, how are you doing? And she said, mom, this isn't my trial. This is my daughter's trial. And God's invited us to equip her for that trial. So your trial is not always about you. A lot of times your trial is to validate your testimony to your children so that your children, you don't know the giant that they're going to face a decade later. They've watched you be vulnerable, be sad. You don't pretend, you know, and everything give thanks or God works all things together for good. It's like my friend right. whose husband committed suicide. She said, if one more person tells me God it works all things together for good, I'm going to punch him in the face. Yeah. She said, I know that, but right now, just cry with me right now. Right. Just weep. Right. So that is so encouraging. This whole conversation. I already, hopefully you didn't think I was rude because I was subscribing to your podcast while you were talking. <laughs> I'm so excited. I'm going to binge old ladies know stuff because <laughs> this feels like a, uh, gateway into like, you need some mentors in your life and you need some women that know more than you do. The re That's just the reality. And so I'm so thankful for you and that you're sharing your wisdom in so many ways other than the podcast, which will be linked in our show description. Where can people keep up with you online? I will say this on the podcast. If you're, we didn't talk as much about boy momming as we normally would. No, because sorry. We all the things. No, actually, I loved it because I feel like this conversation was so perfect for your audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you go to the my podcast, Old Ladies Know Stuff, scroll down. There's a couple of interviews uh, excerpts from Brandon speaking at a homeschool convention with me, and he's talking about what do you do when your adolescent son pushes you away, oh. and that's a huge mystery for moms. They're like, "What's going on?" Yeah. I will tell you this real quick, moms. There's no coming of man ritual in our culture, except don't be a mama's boy. So when mm-hmm. they hit that age, 10, 11, 12, they start smelling funky. You'll know when it is. And they start pushing you away. You either fight them for it or you hand them their manhood and you celebrate the man they're becoming and you love them by showing them respect. So that's all you can catch all that on there. You can find me. My website is noregretswoman.com because I help women build no regrets lives. Yes. And all my books are on there. There's a marriage books. There's a romance book that is real called Real Life Romance that we talked a little bit. It'll help you rekindle the romance in your marriage. Uh, if you do get a copy of Moms Raising Sons to Be Men, the green cover, because there's another one, the 10th anniversary edition has a picture of people on it. So this one has a green cover or a white cover with green trees on it. Please go leave a review if you get it, because that helps me. And also you can join my Facebook group. It's a private group. I think it's called Moms Raising Sons Book Club. There's about 500 women in there. And as soon as the book comes out March 7th, there are videos that go along with each chapter that I'm going to play one a week, or I haven't decided if I'm going to do it weekly or monthly as we each woman read a chapter and then I'll get in there and be live with them. So that's awesome. You are offering so many resources. I'm so thankful. This is such a great conversation. I try to make as much as I can free because I can remember being that mom standing at the grocery store going, I don't think we can buy paper towels. I think we have to just buy napkins because paper towels are a luxury. So we're going to skip the paper towels this time. (laughs) Yes. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you. My pleasure. All right. That's it for this week. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Crappy Christian Podcast. And hey, by the way, if you super loved it, can you go leave a five-star review wherever you're listening? That'd be awesome. All right. See you next week.